Insights to Live By, the podcast, discovering new pearls of wisdom to enrich our lives. What does it take to catalyze healthy work cultures from the inside out with science? And more to the point, what role does presence have in your life? Hello and welcome to Insights to Live By. I am your host, Matt Zinman. So happy to be here with you. A tremendous guest at hand. One of my most favorite topics we are going to get into. And let's just do that right away. He is an inventor, trainer, coach, consultant, a neurotheologian, and most notably the founder and CEO of Organizational Wellness and Learning Systems, also affectionately known as OWLS, Joel Bennett. Welcome to the show. Great to see you. Thank you for the affectionately. Yes. That means a lot. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've come to know you guys and your co, you know, your, your partner in crime, Cynthia and, uh, uh can they, Canigliano, right? Canigliaro, like Tony Canigliano. Yeah, right. I was, I was, it took me a second. You know, it was funny, Joel. There was one other thing in your, uh, you know, on your LinkedIn title. I was like, do I attempt to say this? Tempo, tempognostic. Temponostic. That's what this is about. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now you have to explain to me what that is. Oh, okay. What? I've never said, I mean, come on. How many people well, use that word? Yeah, well, it's a, it's, that's exactly right. Colloquialism, right? No else has used that word. Right. Um, you know, it's a it's an interesting place to start. Temp, temponosis. Ah. Temp is time. Gnosis is knowledge, right? So what we're what we're talking about here is knowledge of time, ah. and having gnosticism was a term that's been used, and there's a lot to the history of Gnosticism, but we're really talking about ancient knowledge of time. Okay. All right, so what you're saying is we could do a whole other show on this. Well, if that's what you'd like. (laughs) You know, it it seems to be going that route. You know, the other thing, because that gives us a sense. I know I'm going to have to keep us on track because we have so much to get into. I want to stay focused in depth. We are a long form podcast, which means I take our audience into the depths of things. And uh, I also was curious because neurotheology, uh, nor being a neurotheologian or a neurotheology, that's your undergraduate degree. I'm like, I've never seen that either. So what does it mean to be a neurotheologian? Well, the undergraduate degree was an interdisciplinary degree. I I was at a college called State University of New York at Purchase at a time when you could establish your own interdisciplinary program. Got it. So I had a philosophy uh, professor, uh, Dr. Robert Neville, and I had two psychophysiologists, George Wolfe and Dr. Richard Davidson. And so I took courses in both of those uh, topics because I was very interested in how the brain and the nervous system is related to our experience of spirituality. And there has been quite a bit of other work done since 1977 (laughs) on this topic. So if you Google neurotheology, 
you will find lots of uh, papers, books, research, etc. Nice. I'm just gonna say it's a little hard to say. <laughs> well, you know, you got me. Neuro- you got me challenged, like right from the front here. <laughs> say neurology. Uh, say yeah, neurology. I'm with you. I'm with. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I won't attempt it again. Now, now let's get into Alice. Let's learn a little bit more about you. Uh, organizational wellness and learning systems is what it stands for. I know these answers. You're the guest. Tell us about Alice. Well, you, you, I appreciate the affectionately. You know, our, our uh, owls, right? Uh, our tagline is, uh, we give a hoot, uh, uh. which should evoke some effect, affection. Um, but no, very quickly, we consult, train, coach, uh, do workshops, train the trainer on a variety of tools that help organizations own their own initiative for building a healthy, mentally healthy work culture from the inside out. And those tools have been tested in clinical trials. We received $6 million from NIH and other research foundations. That's tremendous. So it's all evidence-based. Amazing. Um, Yeah, and in getting to know you guys, uh, you know, down... You know, I'm just going to read this off because I know you're, I'm sure, modest about these details. But from what I understand, you're, you're, what you do includes employee surveys, culture audits and workshops, coaching at all levels up to the executive, team retreats, uh, you custom design assessments, and uh, poor performance appraisal systems, and you do policy development. Now, I can read bullet points just so you know. I just proved yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Did I miss anything? Well, those are just parts of it it's not it's not what we do it's how we do it right. yeah, that was the how yeah I went to yeah the how. yeah okay. so no but thank you for for mentioning all of those i think the main thing is we love training trainers training other coaches training other professionals because we give certificates in our programs right and that really allows us to meet incredible people like the ones you have on your show well, thank you yeah and look back uh, one last time to affectionately house i'm a graduate of temple university Temple Owls, I was already affectionate with the owls. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's already close to my heart. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's right there for me. You know, what's really amazing, and because I know this from running a nonprofit, I, I don't think that people really know what goes into getting a $6 million grant. I, I mean, that is just, that's well, phenomenal. It was a total of that. We've well, gotten look, and, over right, time. Right? right, over time. I mean, yeah. even more so, right? So you were working with the uh, U.S. Department of Health and the things that you, you mentioned and getting into the, supporting the military with the National Guard. And, you know, that's some yeah. very high-level work. You know, yeah. very, you know, very <laughs> few people can do that. I, I just want to acknowledge it because I know what that takes. And thank you, um, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> People you, don't tell you enough. Believe me, I know what that takes. Um, mission and purpose. Mission and purpose. Mission and purpose. So uh, anything more you want to talk about, Alice, before we get to our, our topic in hand here, really, is, is your book coming out, The Connoisseur of Time. We'll talk. That's where we're going with this conversation. But I want to make sure that everyone's grounded in, in you. And uh, anything else you want to share before we do? No, I, okay. I, let's dive in. All right. You know? All right. Job complete there. All right. So The Connoisseur of Time, your forthcoming book, subtitle, An Invitation to Presence. Subtitle, subtitle. Reimagine your relationship with time for your well-being. And this is, that's really right at the heart of, of what we do together in different ways, I imagine, but uh, very, very close to to my passion. So tell us more about 
uh, you know, certainly you've done a lot of work, other, other publications. What led you to, to, to this, your passion about it, and tell us a bit about it as well. Well, there's so many threads. I, I will say that the book is out now. As oh, oh, it's out speaking. now. Right, right. Just okay. Came, and it was just new. came out. Congratulations. Came out. Okay. I Thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, and, and people can get that at presencequest.life. Um, but All right. For free. Free ebook. Free ebook. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. It's free. So uh, we'll have that in the show notes. Please continue. So um, there's so many threads. Um, the story I often tell is waking up at, uh, the age of four or five, uh, being completely and totally and utterly aware of the void uh, and the fact that I recognize that I, at some point, will die. And I, I think all human beings have this sense that's written into their bones uh, that they know, we know, unlike probably any other human, other, other living creature, that this is going to stop. It's imminent. Right? Yeah. It, it's imminent. Yeah. And, but you know, it's not necessarily imminent for a five-year-old who then runs into the parents and says, what I said is like, I, I don't, I don't want to do, I don't want to die. And who they say, yes, it's, it's not time for you to think about these things. Please, please go back to bed. You know? So it's not for solace, them. the solace uh, that I was looking for was not forthcoming. That's going to come full circle, though, that, that young child example. I, I have something in mind we'll talk about, but uh, you'll see. Please. Well, that, that's one of the, the key memories in my life. Um, but, I mean, I can go through many, and I talk about them in all, all the books of the, of the collection, uh, so many stories, so many experiences, um, including, you know, later on, experiencing the sense of timelessness, having those, those peak experiences, uh, non-drug-induced states of consciousness uh, where you experience the sense of eternity and timelessness and flow. And, and so it's become a passion of me to fully understand what this relationship to time means. Right. Uh, and that's taken me to understanding some the best I can, quantum mechanics, um, spiritual writings, the psychology of time. Uh, I can list, go through anthropology. Of, I mean, there's just so much out there. So um, I hope that's a good starting yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, from my vantage point, I, I think, and also uh, for our listeners here, let's put it a little bit more into context, right? Because as you mentioned, uh, the Connoisseur of Time is is one of five books in the Quest for Presence collection. So uh, with that in mind, with context, uh, just let's, let's pull out from the, from the, the core topic. Uh, tell us about the five books across the board. Well, the Connoisseur of Time is a preview. It's a free ebook. Okay. And, and then there are the five books. So okay, got very, it. Very quickly, though. Yeah, very quickly. Um, it's a, imagine an, a mandala, right? Um, you know, a mandala, a mandala, you know, a concentric image, uh, which, you know, people now do mandala art, you know, where they draw circles within circles and color that in. So what we're talking about is what I've learned is that there are so many levels and layers to time that it's best to come up with a visualization, a kaleidoscope, if you will, right? A tapestry. And um, for the most part, uh, in this life, 
we have in our limited attentional capacity, right? Uh, limited bandwidth uh, with our sensory apparatus, um, we can't perceive all of that. We cannot see it all. In fact, truly, it's a blur. Life is a blur, right? Which I'll talk about. Sure. So what I thought I'd do is let's pull out all of these different pieces. So the pieces include um, the map, right? Okay. The, the full mandala, the full kaleidoscope. Um, our capacity to experience the map, which is I call our soulful capacities, and presence is one of those. Then the attraction we have to our destiny in the map. We're all, whether we know it or not, attracted to some form of our destiny. And then how do we manage, given all that big esoteric, mystical, cosmological stuff, how do we get by day to day? That's the fourth book. And then the fifth book is The Treasures. So um, that's what those books are. The Treasures are those experiences, those states of consciousness we have that bring us back to recognizing how precious life is. And preciousness is itself a treasure. And so time starts to become a friend and we recognize, oh yeah, huh, wow, that's right, I'm alive. <laughs> right, <laughs> as existentialism. <laughs> you, know, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, Joel, that uh, I'd like to dive a little bit deeper here is you, you talked about, you know, from a practical standpoint, uh, being intentional. And uh, from, from, from the comment that you made that not everything naturally is in our control in being intentional. It sounds like what you're saying is there's some things that are more autonomic that we, uh, you know, just have at that part of our life. And then we have some will uh, to, to be intentional about our time. What are your thoughts there? Well, I'll go back to experience, you know, um, and you might have some comment here. Um, I have at different times of my life been challenged with uh, attention deficit, right? And hyperactivity. And um, my wake up call, which came from a, uh, a fellow graduate student when I was uh, in, at UT Austin back in the 80s, um, we were having this conversation and he said to me, out non sequitured again. <laughs> Which meant, like, okay, non sequitur. What is a non sequitur? Oh, it means whatever you're saying in the conversation has no rhyme or reason, doesn't follow from what was previously said, right? So then I realized that my brain is going at whatever uh, pace and rate it's going, and I say things that come to my mind that have maybe nothing to do with what the other person is saying in the conversation, right. which, means, which means... Kind of like out of left field? Where, where was I really listening? Ah, right, 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 got it. Uh, number one, but I was listening, but I went in a different direction than what the previous person had said, and that's something that I would do on a regular basis, and it might even happen here, be forewarned. So what that started making me realize is that, well, maybe I need to pay better attention, right? And, and I was also accused of being blurtatious, right? which means saying whatever the F I want to say without worrying about how it might land, 
which coming from New York and moving to Texas was not uh, something that was easy for me because there's a lot of flirtatiousness in, in New York City. So all of that to say is that- Kind of a, a culture uh, shock. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. I was I was put in my place repeatedly, mm. uh, nicely and gently as the Texans do. Right, of course. Anyway, point of all of that to say that the recognition that my attentional, my attention, my ability to attend depended my ability to intend, right? That I had to think about what I was saying, which to this day, every day, my wife reminds me about. Yeah, so, I get it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but so all of that sounds like, well, what does it have to do with presence, right? Well, it has everything to do with presence. Um, we, our nervous systems, our sensory apparatus, I mentioned earlier, is limited. We cannot see and know and hear and listen to everything. So we have to decide what we're going to attend to in this day, in this moment, and in this life as a whole. So all of that to say that, um, and I hope I'm answering the question, that there are many different aspects to being present, but I don't think any of them work without some degree of intention and attention at the cognitive level, at the neurological level. But that's not the only thing that helps us be present. And that's where our soul comes in. You know, you've had people on the podcast who've talked about spirituality. Right. Um, and that is a very important part of this because sometimes whether we're intending or attending or not, something happens in our life that quickens our soul and wakes us up to these treasures so that it's not just be here now. It's also be here for the whole time of your life. That's the difference between what we're trying to do here is give people a language so they can be present to their whole life. And people go, what does that mean? I can only be here now because I can only pay attention. And that's what we're doing is we're giving people access to the mandala to the kaleidoscope, to the big picture of time. That's what this is about. Yeah, I, I mean, look, for one, uh, you know, Joel, you're a heavy thinker. And that's a good thing because you've, you've delved into all these different areas, not only from your, your, your educational background through uh, there being no substitute for a wealth of experience that you've gained to being intentional about everything that you've done, uh, you know, with the five books in this quest for presence and now here with the connoisseur of time. And I, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, you've done the heavy lifting and going in and thinking about these things. Not everyone really knows how to wrap their heads around the concept of the soul. And so in, in mentioning that as you have and in talking about that being so essential uh, to the, the whole equation here with the mandala and beyond. Um, let's talk about that. Uh, you know, what, 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 what is your, you know, let's, let's go, let's go, let's be soulful. Uh, let's talk about that specifically. What's your perspective about it? Oh, well, I go, I go into depth on it in the second book, The Soulful Capacities. You know, um, 
there, if I can, I, you know, since I've drawn from so many other writers and so much other work that's been done, sure, I'd like to read um, two quotes yeah. um, about about that. Yeah, Joel, you don't have to do it if I can or ask permission. You're the guest. Okay, you can do well, as I you think, please. Well, I think it's important. Uh, and by the way, how about those cowboys? Okay. Um, <laughs> show is over. Non, that was my non sequitur. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, <laughs> I'm an Eagles fan here, Joel. I think you're, you're, <laughs> we are non sequitur territory. Okay, but, the soul but, and the. But, but, yeah, but, that, but the point of that is that this is what, Squirrel, this is what I'm trying to convey to people is that we get so sidebarred. Sure. And, and it's about coming back, right? So I, well, I had to, yeah, the attention span, you have to be intentional, right? Are there these quotes we got to talk about? Yeah, I mean, if people are, if people are listening this far along, good for you, man. You've been able to pay attention yeah, for 10 minutes. We're getting there. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I'm going to read from Robert uh, Llewellyn, who... Uh, he was an actor in the show Red Dwarf, and uh, he's a writer, TV presenter, and it's in this uh, uh, movie about atheism. And the reason I'm talking about it, because many people, when you hear about soul, they think, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in that. Well, listen to what he has to say. The more I have understood about how the universe works, the more that awe has come and the more joy. Rather than going, oh, that's all just clockwork. The sun is there and we're going around it every year and all that stuff. No, I think that's amazing. It is extraordinary how that has happened. So that's an, he's an atheist, right? And the reason I'm bringing that up is that we don't have to necessarily use the word soul to have experiences like awe, right? Like joy, like, oh, this is happening. My gosh. There's still a lot to glean from that. So that's one quote. It's right? acknowledgement to a degree, right? Well, we acknowledge that this life is happening, and it's a pretty amazing how we got here, this whole thing, this human experience. Who knows if there's any other right. conscious life in the universe? It feels like right? a big fluke, and we're part of that joke, but it's working out. We're here. So the pre-Hispanic Mayans viewed the soul uh, and, and name as the same and they actually the, the word name and soul, which in uh, Sikhism and others, nam, uh, in, in Mayan hieroglyphics, it's seen as a white flower thing. But I don't, I'm, all of this is before we even get into Western definitions of soul, right? So I'm going to read from the Hindu text, the Maha Narana Upanishad. And this is who knows how many thousands of years old, right? Inside the, inside the center of the heart, there is an ever-shining fire, which is spread in all directions. And that fire, which burns stable, sees everywhere, never gets old, like the dazzling sparkle of lightning from within a black, dark cloud, like the sprout of a red patty slender and golden, and as tiny as an atom, that flame continues burning. Oh, they're talking about energy. What, inside the heart. Right, but emanating from the heart, uh, as, as let's say the, the, the heart of it all, um, 
but we speak often about how we're all energy beings and uh, we affect one another and uh, people's energy uh, and uh, universal energy. And, you know, then, then we start getting into quantum physics there. But we have to stay in and around our core topic of presence. So we're going to we're going to move beyond. Is there more about the soul here or uh, you just, want- to, just to say that the, the being it's present to what? Who are we listening to? What are we listening to? What are we listening for? What are we attending to? So presence doesn't exist without there being an object to be present to, right? The reference point, right? Yeah, and present to oneself, present to one's feeling, present to my spouse, present to my children, present to my work, right? So within all of that, we're saying that part of that means developing these soulful capacities. Yeah, as as to as foundational to have the skill set to be present. So, right? That's right. That's right. exactly right. So, uh, when we when we transition here into and specifically around the connoisseur of time and uh, and, and your invitation and, and one specific to and and from the mission of Al's focusing on reimagining your relationship with time for your well being and at the heart of what we talk about here uh, and in and around not just uh, insights to, to live by and uh, some of the heavy things that we're in here are the practical aspects of well-being and the world of work. And and now, you know, it's not just, you know, work and life are in one you know, more than ever now. So um, talk about talk about time and your well-being. Let's oh, yeah, I that. mean, that's where we, we, we could, that's where I always start, okay. you know, uh, it's pretty clear. Uh, let's, you know, we can begin with burnout, which is really a symptom of uh, a workaholic culture. Um, but we've known for many years the research that time urgency, time pressure, uh, feeling uh, uh, that the, the pace of life is uh, too fast or compressed, um, all of those have an impact on our, our well-being, our cardiovascular health. I mean, the early research on the type A personality, which is, there's some controversy there, but it's still the case that some of those elements of feeling time urgent in your life, uh, having the anxiety to have to get things done, overachieving, um, that's just one aspect of it. But what's happened in terms of time is the shift in the culture from those places where we would have siestas and we would have uh, weekends were meant to be uh, for completely for leisure and spiritual refreshment. The Sabbath was in the Jewish religion, uh, which we can go into a whole, you know, (laughs) many uh, sessions on just talking about the Sabbath. Well, you, you, you can't do anything uh, essentially in general. You're you're supposed to uh, not do anything, uh, you know, in modern life. You know, you're supposed to get back to the no. right, get back to the the core oh, yeah, of of yeah. your essence. You're, you you know, you put these limits up to to experience. Yeah, my grandmother. Life, right? When I was a child, I go to my grandmother's house. I couldn't turn the light on, right, at all right. from Friday night until uh, Saturday, sundown to sundown. Yeah, and so so the the point of all of that though is that. It's consumerism and capitalism um, and commercialization have 
led to this 24-7 society, have, have led to uh, fast food, uh, right? So I need, to, I need to give a big shout out here for your, your listeners. There's, there is a thing called the slow movement, right? There's the slow food movement, and there are people who, uh, you know, get off the grid for just this reason, right? Um, and I can't tell you how many dozens of professionals I've met through my 20 years of coaching, consulting, and training who've said, I couldn't do the corporate thing anymore. Right. Because it was, uh, it was killing them. And, literally. And, and yeah, no, literally. Yeah. I've known people who've died from workaholism. And in Japan, we have Kiroshi. I mean, there's, so the point of right. all of this is that let's just be very, very clear. Number one, at the personal psychological level of well-being, time pressure has significant health costs. Number two, at the planetary level, this machinery of time compression has led to all number of problems, including uh, climate issues, uh, COVID, um, uh, population growth, deforestation. I can go on and on and on. The point of all of this is that we have jumped on this clock time bandwagon. We've drunk the clock time Kool-Aid and we don't even realize it. It's like the fish who's swimming in the water doesn't realize that water there. We live in a world of manufactured time, which is completely our... The, the, that's why the, the ancient spiritual texts and the modern quantum physicists tell us time is completely mutable. It's completely something we could define it any way that we want to. But here as a species, we've certainly bought into this particular through the whole industrial revolution. Right. And, and since then, we can go on to that. It's like nobody has stopped. Right? Well, I think, I think, and, and I was uh, I, the same mindset around the industrial revolution. And, you know, we just look at, you know, origins, origins aside, there's a, um, a rationale to evolution and how the natural order of things um, led us to, uh, you know, who we are, our bodies, and I'm a little bit out of my depth here, but the point I'm trying to make is that the acceleration that we've encountered in a very short period of time that continues exponentially as a result of technology far and even more so outpaces our evolutionary capacity to keep pace. And so, you know, you see these digital detox days and weeks and things that people are trying to do to compensate just to give themselves, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of room to normalize uh, what they, you know, recognize as, as the impacts that uh, yeah. that we're, yeah. we're talking about. Right. I, I, yeah. I, w I would argue with you. Please. I wouldn't say to compensate what you know, I come from. I like an, uh, a good argument, Joel. You can yeah, go for well, it. Well, not an argument in a hard way, but just <laughs> no. that. It's not compensate. I, I come from the mindset of having worked with many people in addiction and in recovery. Right. It's just protecting your stash. You're, you're, all you're doing, it's an addictive process. This time workaholism, and I'm in recovery as a workaholic, is uh, I'll work as hard as I can, you know, busy myself, rush around, uh, beat myself up, right? hurt my body. It's just another version of binge purge. And so 
the, the thing is, is that nobody calls that out. It's part of the, what I call the emperor's new clothes for time. It's like, we're all so uh, ensconced, we don't even see it. Right. And, and, and everything from imposter syndrome to fear of missing out to perfectionism, all these things that people are coming up with, all that is is just a mask for not slowing down, pausing, and listening. You mentioned evolution. I need to hit on that. Sure. So in, in book four and in that part of the mandala, the, I mentioned getting through life, there are these trajectories. That is, how do, how do these radiant cosmological forces that make up the mandala interact with each other? And one of the, one of the trajectories is transition. So let's first say, moving away from clock time, everything is in transition. Everything, everywhere, throughout the universe, at the most microscopic quantum level to the grand scale of the entire universe and everything in between, including black holes and pulsars, everything is in transition, everything, right? So we have kind of like gotten to this whole thing about evolution. Well, evolution, is just one version of transition. Got it? You think yeah, I'm with you. This. Yes. Yes. Processing, there, processing. Right. But there are others. And one of the one of the ones that I uh, love that as part of this soulful work is metamorphosis and also from the alchemists transmutation. So metamorphosis Instead of thinking us going back to the whole Darwinian paradigm that we're evolving, maybe there's something going on where we're actually moving into a whole new level of conscious being as a species, as an individual, as a society. And that if we look at it like more like the caterpillar transforming into the butterfly, right. there's, there's a touch point here. Now, that, that's a hard analogy to make because there's so much going on there but the point is maybe it's not just evolution that's happening right maybe there's a metamorphosis so like a collective like a critical mass that we're working toward to transition that's right that's okay. called that's right it's a, it's called a manifestation point or a mutation point sure right um the other piece is transmutation which is from the alchemist which is maybe all the crap that's going on covid right? Uh, the burnout syndrome, the great resignation, you know, all the things that people complain about, diversity, inclusion stuff, all of that crap, right? I'm not, well, I'm not calling it diversity, inclusion crap. You're, you're, all the, you don't mean crap. The, I think you mean noise. Yeah, well, it's... In a sense, it's, right? It's the things that are preoccupying people. Right, right? yeah, exactly. The clutter. The, the, yeah, I mean, they're all important. I mean, these are all important things, but maybe all of that is grist for the mill. Maybe all of that is designed for us to turn the lead into gold, right? Maybe it's not, I call it, tra not trauma-informed, but thriving-informed. Maybe, maybe we should take this positive lens, which is what I think you're all about. I think that your work, the Z-isms, is like, how do we take what is happening that looks like dark stuff and transmute it, right, into the potential of our new horizon, right? So that's the, it's almost like intentional perception. Going back to presence. Right. 
Yep. So evolution, yeah. And there are other ways of looking at it. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's like, like I said, I'm processing, processing. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, know. I, I feel like the, you know, the spinning wheel on the computer. Okay, the, yeah, the eagles, they're okay. They're all right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> non sequitur. <laughs> um, you know, we are going to, we, we, we want to watch our, our time um, as long form <laughs> as we are. We have our insights to live by to get to. Um, we, we've encapsulated a lot. And in and around presence, uh, from a practical standpoint, from people being intentional, what you describe as pause, show up, listen, embark. What practical recommendations can you give people to come away with our from our conversation uh, to, to work on being intentional with their presence? Well, the book, the free ebook has has some really some tools for that. And of course, all the books do. But this, the thing I do with my staff, every meeting, every, every meeting, I should say 90% of the time, at the beginning of the meeting, um, and now I have clients doing this, I ask them to check in, to do a presence check-in. And uh, I recommend that everyone do this with their work. Um, and even with their family, if they do take the time to sit down at the table. Um, and what a presence check-in looks like this. On a scale of 1 to 10, how present are you right now? And 1 being, I don't even know where I came from, where I'm going, where's my coffee, who are you people, I don't want to be here. Right, all these competing thoughts. Right. Yeah. And 10 is like you're here, you're engaged, you're excited for what's about to happen. And the caveat or the, the four uh, instructions for this are it's not about having to be a 10. It's about making room for wherever anybody happens to be. And it's okay to be at a two or a three or a four. The message is you don't have to be on when we get together. You don't have to be completely here. If it's, it's okay, you're doing the best you can. Right. And I know you didn't uh, show up today to make me think that you weren't paying attention. You know, that's not your intention, right? Yeah, I mean, look, you have to give yourself grace. And recognize that uh, the things that are not in your control, like, look, we could be getting together for, um, a, a, you know, a friendship, uh, a lunch or some kind of get together and uh, something happens, I'll go with me. And it just involuntarily preoccupies me. I try as hard as I can to be present and listen to our conversation as we're talking at this lunch. But something's within me really bothering me. I, I can't help it. And uh, as much as I, I respect you and uh, want to tune into everything that you're saying and, and, and process it, I, I have to recognize in that moment I'm still just doing my best and, and trying to insulate myself from the things that are taking me out of that moment and recognize that I, I only have so much control here. Well, yeah, there's so much. Thanks so much for sharing that because that's exactly what we do. We don't um, pause to not only give ourselves grace, but to give others grace. Right. 
And you never know, right? You never know what's going on for somebody at any given time. So that's that's why we do it. That's you asked me for a simple thing. Yeah, that's that's a simple thing, right? But there are many other things to do, and and it's great because over time you create psychological safety. People feel that there's room, and people. I often say, well, do you want to share? You know, you're at a five today. Do you want to share about it? You don't have to, and um, sometimes they do, and it deepens the relationship. Um, and you know, my first book is actually called Time and Intimacy, and um, there's a lot to talk about there. So, it's uh, definitely look. I mean, there's uh, if if we had enough time to unpack it all, I don't know it would be in a single day. Well, and, we have workshops. We have workshops. Yeah, workshops. One, of course, one's coming up. One's coming up. Well, look. Yeah, I mean, look. Present presencequest.com. You'll find Fact, the kind of dot life presencequest.life. Oh. Thank you, Dot Life. I did not write that down correctly because I was being present with you in the moment you were talking about that. All right, so that was that was my uh, my, my smooth over. All right, so we do have the wheel of insights to get to know you more personally, but I also uh, see if we can have some time to do one of those at the end because we do need to focus on your insights to live by, and I have no doubt uh, that you're bringing it here. No pressure, Joel. Uh, but let's move into that segment and uh, talk about it. Uh, Joel Bennett, what is your first insight to live by? You are, okay, you are swimming in time so much. Maybe you should just float for a little. I like it. You can take me to the water park with my family. <laughs> Going down the lazy river. <laughs> well, that basically means, like I said, time is uh, the most used word in the English language. Uh, and when you consider all of its various forms and mutations and permutations, and, and so we're all swimming in it constantly. And instead of swimming, maybe just pause and just float. I like it. Yeah. I mean, smell the roses, right? Um, okay. Over to your next insight. Is it is it presence related, or are you going to take us to a, in a different direction? Well, what do you think? No, the, these are all presence related. Okay, that's I, I had a feeling you'd stay on theme, and one would build on yeah. the other. I'm yeah. sorry, Joel, you're a little predictable. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. All right, we, no, well, please. Just, just like the owl hoots at a predictable time. Anyway, no, go ahead. Um, the the second one is it's all a blur. Embrace the blur. Embrace the blur. Life is going on. Uh, just don't be concerned about having to figure it all out. If things go crazy, if the kids are running here and there and uh, the TV's blasting and you're swiping from one thing to the next on your smartphone, notice that that's what's happening and embrace it. Nice. Often I'll comment on, on you know, each insight to live by, but you're covering it so well. We're going to continue on to your third and final. <laughs> is this, the, uh, is this the, the big kahuna? Or, no, uh, no, right. no. So I know, um, you know, I've come from, well, I'll just say it. There are always bridges out. And um, there's a lot to this. You know, it has to do with if you're going through a hard time, feeling depressed, anxious, alone, lonely. Um, there's time is always going to be your 
friend because time is a bridge to that next phase. And once you do the other things, you're less, you're more likely to like have loosen up that depression, loosen up that tightness, you know, and frankly, that came from the old um, song, one of my favorite songs, which I, I talk about it, um, by the group America, don't cross the river if you can't swim the tide. And there's a line in there where he talks about a little girl who can't find her way out. Uh, you know, if you want, you could ride my train and soon, I don't know if we can quote music without having to run into- You can uh, quote music, we're yeah. fine, yeah. But soon forget the reason that you're leaving, lose yourself and then sometime maybe even save yourself some grieving. And it's really, the song is about, um, you don't have to struggle to cross the river if it's too much. I'm here, I'll take you. There are always bridges out. If I'm interpreting this correctly, it, it, it brings me back to your first insight about just letting the river take you a little bit, right? Is that fair? Yes, it, it, except in this case, time is your friend, time is your friend, or there are friends, there are people around you who can help. Right, and don't go it alone. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Don't go it alone. It's okay That's to ask. That's why we're here, Matt. That's... This is you not going it alone and me not going it alone. We're doing, <laughs> all we can do is our best and recognize that we, we always know we might be able to do better, but we shouldn't expect ourselves to always do better and to give ourselves grace. So, um, Joe, I, I so appreciate so much that we cover. We have a few minutes here, uh, you know, you being the guest. Uh, you're familiar with the format. Would you like to go to the Wheel of Insights and, and field a question, or would, or would you like to spend this next few minutes wrapping up otherwise? No, as people know about the upcoming uh, and ongoing trainings and webinars, no, I'm happy. Let's do the Wheel of Insights. The Wheel of Insights. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Okay. Now, <laughs> we have our own sound effects here, but I appreciate that. Now, 12 random questions. You being the guest, do not have to answer what pops up. You are welcome to pass. Here we go. I love it. I love it, Matt. Ah. Would you rather be the smartest or the funniest in the room? I would definitely the funniest. I'm tired of, uh, yes. I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, yes, the funny, okay. funny guy. All right, we're going we're gonna to go speed round. Here we go. Ah. Uh, your worst school subject. Physics. Yeah, that would be everybody's worst school subject. <laughs> and and here I am. I love I love it. You know, I loved it so much. In fact, my, my high school teacher was like my next door neighbor. And I would like, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I want to do it. I can't do it. And he would look at me with compassion and like, you know, not everybody's cut out for this. What is harder to understand than physics? Um, microbiology. All right, fine. I'll debate that with you. I'm pretty sure if, if you extend the quantum physics, I, I think, it, you know, you're in a different realm, literally. Okay, here we go. One more. Ah, Joel, your Olympic sport. If you participated in the Olympics, winter oh, or summer, you are the athlete. If you participated in the winter or summer Olympics, what sport would you be performing in? What I'd like to perform in because I can't do it. 
No, yeah, no, what you, uh, none of us can do it now, Joel. <laughs> We're not in the Olympics. <laughs> this is a hypothetical question. Yes, I, yes. I, I, I really love shot put. Wow. I love shot put. Yeah, yeah. but recognize you throw it three feet at this point. But it's okay because you're competing and you're showing up and you're present. And that is what matters. All right. So presencequest.life is where you'll find the connoisseur of time. Uh, Joel, any final thoughts here? I just appreciate you, how you interview, how you, um, with other podcasts from you I've listened to, how you work. I think your voice is great. I love your own stuff, you know, and I just wish you the best of success. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope our paths will continue to align in that regard, if we're intentional about them. All right. <laughs> That's the right place to start. Joel Bennett, thank you very much for being my special guest today. A pleasure. Thanks. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Insights to Live By. Please feel welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn and Instagram and make the most of our free resources to improve your life for good at mattzinman.com. Wishing you and yours an enriching day, and we'll see you next time.